0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, Patty and I finally met in person. We look back at our favorite moments from this past week. We talked to Mitch Blyle, who will be busy with ESPN this weekend. We set you up for a crazy week 18 and give you another spicy box best. All that more right here on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews,
1: quick stick. What? What?
0: game, a beautiful feed by Kiernan to Lomas. Colorado, now in the last two games,
2: has allowed seven power play goals. And this, an insurance goal for Dean Farrell. The lefty smokes one by Ward, 7-5. Curtis Dixon now takes a hit and King scores. On the power play, their fourth of the game at 7-3 for the Roughnecks. Blocked there by Charlie Rogers. Cree, he can shoot, but sends it over to Craig. Back to Cree. Quickspin scores. Craig and Cree deliver for Toronto. Bills hitting the left corner, the bouncing ball. Myers
0: with Ethan O'Connor coming in. From Ian McKay. It's McKay with the he A huge goal for the bandits, short-handed in transition. On one with Joel Watson he scores. And Corey Small with six tonight. Goal lead here for the bandits 12-7. You can't couldn't catch the beat on the inside picked up by Fraser, dump shot, he tried to put it near pipe, Didn't go in, it did, it hit. oh my goodness, Chase Fraser, you could see it as soon as he picked up that loose ball in the corner, he had one thing in mind, I'm going to dunk this. everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar Podcast. He is Pat Gregoire. I am Teddy Jenner. You can find us on Twitter at pgreggy, at Teddy Jenner, and the show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Uh, You can also find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. What a wild week 17 in the National Lacrosse League, uh, highlighted by the first ever meeting of Pat and Ted in person. Um, We got a great game uh, between Halifax and Buffalo. It was a wild weekend um we're gonna not focus so much on the games that were we're gonna focus on the things that are and some storylines but quickly go back to that weekend uh your biggest storyline from the weekend?
2: biggest storyline from the weekend one obviously is you said it already finally united together in person and (laughs) um you getting your first taste of the east coast and the chowder and all that good stuff but in all honesty the big thing for me and we saw it up close and personal the buffalo bandits are a certified wagon they have separated themselves from the rest of the pack and you and i had this conversation with a few people and i'm gonna ask it to you again but do you see as it stands right now, the way Buffalo's playing, the rest, the way the rest of the league are playing, can anyone take them down in a three game set? Cause I think you can make an argument one game in that first round. Sure, a team can knock them off. But I just don't know if in three games another team in the National Lac- Lacrosse League can beat this Buffalo team.
0: Um, and I said it to you when you asked me that question. The only way that happens is if 12 of their players get COVID. <laughs> and they're out for two weeks that's the only that's yeah. truly the only way i see it happening they're just like they could catch an injury bug they could just have a bad week i get that but like you said over a course of a three game set i i just i think it's going to be really hard to beat them um you know teams are going to have a lot more film on them but teams have a lot of film on them now as it stands and teams are just unable to compile a game plan that exposes buffalo's weaknesses because they don't really have any. and the Mm -hmm. way that like and i really noticed it watching the first game on saturday and it kind of exposed halifax's power play is that buffalo just packs four guys real close and tight in that box and just doesn't let any straight lane shots go in they say kate matt vince you're gonna make the shots we want you to stop everything else the guys are just gonna soak and If you're not scoring on the power play against Buffalo, who is a team notoriously that takes a lot of penalties, you're going to have a long, long night. And the Halifax Thunderbirds had a long, long two nights. They went, what, what, one for 12 over a two-game series. Like, that's not going to win you any lacrosse games ever in a two-game set. So it is definitely going to be hard for a lot of teams to to really formulate a game plan that that exposes the weaknesses of this Buffalo squad, because I really don't think they have it.
2: Yeah. The the thing that it just was so evident is obviously we knew how good their offense was and how well they swing the ball. The ball never dies in anyone's stick. And if it does, it's maybe Dahoka taking it to the rack and scoring a beautiful goal or Josh Byrne, Um, you know, dodging down the alley and and ripping a shot on the run. Like if if the ball is dying in someone's stick, it's usually ending in some sort of magic. And it's, yeah, exactly. It's purposeful on the defensive side. I totally agree. These guys are blocking shots at an unbelievable rate. And like you mentioned, because their PK is so strong and because Matt Vince uh, is playing at an elite level, like at his age, yeah, what ridiculous. he's able to do right now, it's ridiculous. But it allows Buffalo to play a little meaner. It allows mm-hmm. them to maybe lay a couple of extra hacks and whacks, and and because they know, okay, we're going to kill off the majority of these penalties because you know Vino's got the save, and if he doesn't, we're packing it in so tight, we're, we're taking away that far side pipe, and, and Vino's eating everything up. So they're a team that's a well-oiled machine. With that being said, of course, you know, in in a month or so when the playoffs begin teams could heat up teams could, you know, Halifax might be able to fix some of their power play woes, or, you know, the seals might be able to, you know, you know, in a play in a, in a series, you know, in the conference finals, you know, maybe they're able to shore up some things um, overall. And, and the thing for me though, is it's a, I know it's a hypothetical, but that's what we do in this business as it stands right now. I just, they're so much better than everyone else everyone else will have to catch up to them by the time, you know, the, the conference or the finals starts, because you said it, I, I was trying to this after this earlier this morning, trying to figure out a way how I could spin to see Buffalo losing and what their weaknesses were. But honestly, there just is nothing. There is nothing that you can poke at right now.
0: Uh, it's just, it's, it was phenomenal to watch them sort of up close and personal and just see how well they move the ball, how choreographed they are defensively, how structured they are in in their special teams. And I like, he didn't have a lot of success against Jake Withers, but bringing in Max Adler has actually given them an extra little bit of boost because they are getting a lot more possessions than they normally would without sort of that focused draw guy. But when you look at their schedule, Down the stretcher. They got a tough two-game stretch here this week uh, when they play at Philly and then at Colorado. Then they're home against New York, at Georgia, home to Toronto, and that's their schedule. Like, if anything, maybe at most, I could see them losing two games. Maybe at most, the way they're playing. But they could, and this is the one thing that we've stressed about Buffalo, is they haven't had a bad game and they haven't had a bad stretch. And I don't know if over these next four weeks that they have left, including a bye week that there's going to be a bad game in there for them.
2: So I think that's one thing. And when I have asked this question to some people, I think the, the, the whole, you know, they haven't really faced a lot of adversity so far and you know, everyone and I I'm knocking on wood here has stayed relatively healthy. Um, and that's some of the concern maybe is that they haven't been able to, but go down the lines with some of these great teams that have, you know, gone on historic runs, they really haven't faced all too much adversity as well. If they're that much better than everyone, then there really isn't that much adversity. And maybe their adversity isn't with a two game skid or a three game skid. Maybe their adversity is a game like Albany where, you know, they claw back and force overtime and win, or a game where they really thought they played really bad defensively. And Matt Vince said he needed to be better when they took, you know, New York York to overtime, maybe their adversity isn't exactly what other teams are expecting, like Halifax dropping four or Georgia starting slow at the gate. Maybe their adversity is just little spurts throughout the game. Maybe that's the way that this team has dealt with adversity. Um, But Certainly, I think they're going to be battle tested over the next couple of weeks. And if they can kind of get through that, grind through that, then maybe that is the adversity that this group needs long-term.
0: Uh, spoiler alert from Coast to Coast this week. Um, I said that, and it was sort of my hot take, was that I think Buffalo needs to lose a few games. And if you go back to 2014, when the Edmonton Rush went 16-2, and uh, the best record, you know, in the NLL era, not counting uh, when the bandits went, what, like eight, no, or something like that in, yeah. in like the early late MILL days, but they went 16 and two, didn't face any adversity, had a first round bye, and then lost to Calgary in a mini game in that Western final. And if you don't have those moments of, of toughness and adversity, like you were mentioning, and you don't have a few losses to kind of toughen you up, you might find yourself in an unfamiliar place come playoff time, and that could be your downfall. And like you said, in a one-game series, that could definitely happen to the Buffalo Bandits. Probably not in a three-game series because this team is just too deep, too good, too strong. But I really would, you know, as weird as it sounds, I would like to see them drop a couple games just to kind of put a little, little couple chinks in the armor. And I think talking to a few bandits players, they kind of were like, Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of weird. We We've just been finding ways to win. And that's also a great sign of a championship team. They find ways to win. And this Buffalo Bandits team is poised for an incredibly, incredibly deep run. Um, But with that win and and with how everything played out over the weekend, they now have a four-game lead in the Eastern Conference. But then you have three teams, Halifax, Toronto, Georgia, all on eight wins. Like, it is a complete dogfight in the middle of the Eastern Conference.
2: It's crazy. I mean, with this weekend, if Georgia beats Toronto and Halifax was to to lose to Rochester, Georgia goes all the way to four to two. Like that, that is how. You know, and then if I think Toronto would have to lose their game to uh, San Diego as well, but just the absolute chaos that we could see over the next couple of weeks, not just in the East, but in the entire league, like the, the NLL tweeted out earlier today, their playoff picture, which we'll get to, um, you know, if the playoffs started today, um, I think we're going to see a lot of those graphics because over the next few weeks, I think we're going to see a lot of shuffling, but the the caption was as clear as mud. And that is the <laughs> perfect way to describe what the playoffs looks like right now, because outside of Buffalo with being the only clinched team and yeah. probably the team that is going to eventually clinch the East at some point after that, you could maybe put an asterisk beside San Diego. They're pretty close to clinching that first, but after that, man, I mean,
0: sure that. I I, I that's think what I mean. So I said, to go to clinch that. I,
2: I think, and that's why I said, I, you could, but I mean, there's yeah. still a, uh, some other teams nipping at their heels. It's wide open. Yeah. It is absolutely wide open. Realistically. The only two teams, not in the hunt, maybe three is New York Roch in the East and then Saskatchewan in the West. Everyone yeah. else. Yeah, and again, you,
0: you, you know, New York could go on a six-game run to end the season here yeah. <laughs> and get to 10 wins. But, you know, that's highly unlikely. But as we've just talked about, anything is possible uh, in the National Cross League. But, you know, again, Philly could win two games this week, this weekend and jump right up to eight wins and be right in that pack. So who knows? Um, but the West is just as convoluted and crazy – excuse me, and crazy. San Diego loses to Vancouver. They're at nine and three. Colorado's at seven and six. Panther City is on a five-game winning streak. Uh, They're pushing for that fourth spot in the West and are are right on the cusp of grabbing it. Um, But again, Calgary's not out of it. Saskatchewan would have to go on a crazy run just to even have a sniff. But it is going to be a wild and wild, wild finish. Um, But the West is wide open.
2: The West is the wild West and that's the way it should be. And I, I will be quite honest. I've been pretty, you know, pretty tough on the West saying that, you know, it should be that fifth team in the East and is probably going to be that fifth team in the East, but Kudos to Vancouver for getting that must-win last yeah. week against a top team in San Diego because it was trending that way that they were falling down. And Panther City continuing to be the best storyline in the National Lacrosse League and, and winning. I think now we have a chance that it could be 4-4 four and four on both sides as long as these teams continue and, and again, the forgotten child, because their schedule was so messed up um, at the start of the year, Calgary. Like they control their own destiny. They can decide if they are going to catapult themselves into this. And they're still in the thick of things, um, but nonetheless, they're a little bit behind. And that's not because of anything that they've done. It's just the fact the way that the schedule lays. And to be honest, I think they're kind of at a little bit of, of an advantage here because they're going to go on a roll here of, constant gains, and you can get into yeah. a they don't a have rhythm. a as long as you, you, the way exactly and as long as you stay healthy through that stretch um you don't have to worry about you know start stop you know it's just go 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 and i think building up to playoff lacrosse that's only going to help them
0: yeah uh they've got vancouver at home this weekend and they have a they have three straight home games uh including two in one weekend uh, next week, and where they go eight and nine they're at home to ha- versus Halifax and at home to Panther City so uh, a good stretch of games here for the Roughnecks um, I want to add some fuel to the fire um, and this was um, a statement that was kind of circling around the post game beers on Sunday night and that is that there are people that think the easiest way to the NLL Finals is to finish fifth in the east cross over, run through the west and then make it to the finals do you think teams are are really looking at that or is that just uh alcohol fueled fire (laughs) i think
2: it's i think there's some validity to the statement but perhaps some uh, some liquid encouragement (laughs) helped uh (laughs) You know, formulate that. And I could see, I could understand, but at the end of the day, you still have to play probably San Diego. You still have to fly all the way out to California and play a pretty darn good San Diego team. So, yes, I guess if you win that game, then you're either playing a team like Colorado, Vancouver, Calgary, and Panther City, which again, I mean, if, if would you rather play one of those teams or Toronto or Halifax? Probably, but do you really want to take the risk and give up a potential spot in that 2-3 game? Like if you're Georgia or I don't know. For me, it, I don't see that being an easier route by any stretch of the imagination. Nope. But I think for argument's sake, I think you can make the argument for it. And I don't think it's crazy. But I think you would be crazy to try to yeah. to to And here,
0: here's the thing, and, you know, we both said this, is that, well, you're, you'd be flying all the way across the country. Like, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Well, then if you win that first game, you gotta you fly west, you win the game, you fly back home, then you got to come all the way back out west again. So that's just a lot of taxing yeah. travel on the body. And yeah, I agree. I don't think any team is, you know, trying to go that route. I think a lot of teams think, hey, if if we have to go that route, it might be a little easier. But I don't think once you get to the playoffs, there's going to be an easy game. Uh, And I think a lot of those Western teams will be pretty pissed off if those Eastern teams really start thinking that. Um, It has now been four straight losses for the Halifax Thunderbirds. Uh, Are they broken?
2: I don't think they're broken. I don't think they're playing to where they can be. And I don't think this is a team that is lost, but this is a team that does need some fixing. And I think they're in the process of doing that right now. And yes, there was a lot of question marks around some of the moves that were made, but I do think that the, the trust in that locker room and in the management staff and on a bench is that the way that they were constructed, even though they were picking up wins, they were winning in ways that just weren't sustainable you know, coming out in the fourth quarter, scoring a billion goals. And Jake Withers just winning face-off after face-off and, and them just co- collecting goals late. Or, you know, beating teams and not scoring on the power play. They knew that eventually this was going to bite them in the ass, yeah. and it has now bit them in the ass. So, you know, a big move that they do is obviously get rid of a couple lefties. They bring in two big bodies in Brandon Robinson and Dawson Feed. And you could argue that they were probably their two best offensive players, and they were. Um, they were outstanding. But with that being said, the righties still looked off. Um, Sean Evans doesn't look like Sean Evans. Austin Shanks and Clark Peterson aren't playing like they were playing at the start of the year. Chris Bushy wasn't even in the lineup. Uh, Stephen Keogh, sorry, I'd have to say he was in that list as well. He was. He was playing. And I said it on the broadcast with a little, with a lot of edge and you say he always does, but I think he was playing with even more edge and he was playing motivated. So the big thing for me though, is Warren Hill was not Warren Hill. And I think maybe also when Warren Hill was playing at elite level, he was possibly covering up some holes for this defensive unit. And good goaltending cold, cold can do that, right? So I think this is a rough stretch for them right now. I think they know what they need to fix. I think they realize that they went one for 12 on the power play and that their PK is getting better, but not where it needs to be. Uh, but I do believe that there's still a lot of belief in this locker room. And they believe that what they're fixing right now, it's better that they're fixing it at this point yep. than going into the playoffs off this false sense of them being a championship contending team, because I do believe they thought maybe not the players, but I know the coaching staff was thinking that the way they were winning before was just, was not sustainable. So they're fixing things right now and we'll see over the next couple of weeks, if they can fix it. And if they do kind of hit their stride. And I mentioned this on the rap with you and Tyson on their socials, that maybe they're going through their adversity right now. And with the last couple of games of the, of the season, they go on the road, the distractions of the nest and family and friends and all that. They just go out on the road and, and turn things around and hit the ground running right into the postseason. How many times have we seen a, a Rochester team, which is, you know, this is the organization, the old Nighthawks? How many times have we seen them go through stretches where they look like they're all out of sorts. And just as the playoffs are starting to come, yeah. they have just turned things around, yeah. right? Yeah. So maybe this is, maybe it's going to be, or maybe I'm wrong and I'm talking out of my ass and that, you know, this is just not going to work. But from what I can see and when you hear the message in that locker room and around this organization, I think they recognize that they're going through their rough path right now and they hope that they hit the ground running heading into the postseason. Uh,
0: Tyson Guy put out a tweet uh, this morning saying, you know, Halifax is five and zero when they score first. They're six and zero when they're leading after the first quarter. So getting off to a good start is very imperative. But conversely, Buffalo ten and zero when they score first, and Wild. they are just an absolute wagon when they are rolling. But that's a huge thing for teams: getting off to a hot start, finding that early rhythm, putting your opponent behind the eight ball early, uh, and just making them continue to climb uphill is what makes championship teams championship teams uh let's stay in the east um is georgia the real deal as the swarm have found a bit of a winning streak they have now won four in a row
2: they're a team that i would not want to play in a one game set i'll tell you that much they went into hamilton and i know they have a lot of ontario-based gta-based guys so a little bit of a home game for them but they went into georgia Sons MVP candidate Lyle Thompson and took the boots to them. And I know the, the delay in the Dan Dawson ceremony, which I will say kudos to the rock kudos to Jamie Dowick. That was a first class uh, presentation. Um, But you always know the home team always gets a little bit of a, 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 you know, slow start after those, but they just were never able to find their footing. And I think it was because Georgia set the tone they were the ones that were going to decide how the game went and everyone on that offense stepped up yeah. Shane Jackson was fantastic Brendan Bomberry was lights out in that first quarter uh, Cole and McIntosh just playing in every single facet that you can think of and then the big x factor for me is when Mike Poulin is on and this defense can play aggressive yet still give out those outside shots and allow him just to make the saves he needs to make. This is a tough team to beat. This is a very tough team to beat. And it's taken them a little while to find that offensive chemistry, but they have found it. The defense has found it. And Mike Poolin is that X factor. And he is going to take this team as far as this team will go, because it's, it's just, it's, it's a different It's a different group than what the group was back when they won their championship, but there's enough pieces in this core of a young team that will help guide them to go deep. I'm not saying that this is my pick to win a title because this is a very young group, but this is a team that is poised to maybe go on a run and maybe this isn't their year to win but maybe this is a year that, you know, maybe you get to the Eastern conference finals and you're playing with house money, or even if you take Buffalo in the first round and and give them a good fight, that that's something that this group can build on going forward. But I think they have to be thinking at this point, two or three spot because they are confident that they can beat Toronto And they've known they can beat Halifax and and Toronto. So why not try to go for that 2-3 spot and try to face one of those teams rather than go up against a juggernaut in the Buffalo Bandits?
0: Uh, Currently, if playoffs are today, they unfortunately would have to go up against that juggernaut in the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, They would be the four seed. It'd be Halifax and Toronto in the 2-3 game. Philly gets the wild card spot to take on the Seals. And it would be the Mammoth and the Warriors in the 2-3 game out west. But Albany, Panther City, Calgary, All still in the hunt as the chase for the championship here in 2022 is fully underway. The National Cross League also releasing their playoff schedule as we move forward. And it is going to be a hectic, hectic May and June. So uh, the semifinals will be five through nine in May. Conference finals are from May 12th to the 16th. Uh, for Game 1, Game 2 goes the 19th to the 23rd. Game 3, if necessary, May 26th to the 30th. Obviously, those dates are subject to change due to arena dates and availability. And then the best of three NLL finals will basically take place from June 2nd to the 6th for Game 1, 9 to 13 for Game 2, and if necessary, 16 to 20 for Game 3. So we could be going deep into May. We could be going deep into the start of the outdoor season, but that doesn't matter TSN, ESPN, games of the week. It's all going to be happening. The chase for the cup is going to be a wild
2: one. And that's just why, why is it our immediate thought is think of the negative. And I know I'm thinking of the negative right now of people thinking the negative, but instead of saying, man, this is awesome. Like, you know, we're, we've got lacrosse going into June, like the playoff schedules here and, look at how tight the race is in both the East and the West immediately. Just everyone's thought goes, Oh, well, I bet Andy towers is hoping <laughs> that the Buffalo Bandits get upset in the first round right. or, Oh, if the seals, if they go deep, look at how many PLL guys are gone. It's like, can we not just think of, think as a positive things here? Why do we always have to go to what is bad or what is wrong with this relationship? I'm sure Paul Rabel And the NLL at some point are going to sit down and say, how are we going to be able to figure this thing out so we don't have any crossover? Because I'll be honest, Paul Rabel and the PLL probably not too thrilled that this is happening right now. And the NLL are probably saying, I wish that we weren't pushed back as far either. Like this is not an ideal situation for either, but let's not forget we're still dealing with a pandemic season. We still did not have our our start date that we were originally looking for. And games and arena availability is all over the place. So this is a work in progress. This relationship is not the best between the two. But I know one day the two leagues will work hand in hand and work out a way where guys aren't missing. And if you ask the guys, if you ask anyone on that Buffalo Bandits team, would you rather play a couple of exhibition games the P, or not exhibition game? Would you rather play a couple of regular season games in the PLL or compete for an NLL yeah. cup with a team that you've been going to bat for for how many months? Come on, obviously yeah. you know what their choice is going to be.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. I, I just wanted to I didn't mean to make you upset. no, you know. I'm
2: sorry. And it wasn't you and you, we had to bring it up, but it's just uh, logging. Yeah, it was Twitter all over Twitter morning.
0: today. Once that schedule came out. Exactly.
2: And it usually, and I'll be honest, it's usually not the NLL, the, the true box lacrosse fans that are bringing it up. So, yeah. but it's just time and time after again, when one league releases something, the other league or the other fans of that league have to say something and, and vice versa and us box lacrosse fans and, and all fans and, we're also to blame, too, because anytime the PLL says anything about records or, or, or anything like that, people's heads pop off and they go nuts, even though you know that's not the, the intention is probably to trigger us I mean, you're just eating the garbage. So that's my rant. I, I'm, I'm done. We're going to stay positive because this is truly going to be an unbelievable stretch of, of NLL lacrosse thousand
0: percent uh some news that also came out today uh espn2 the deuce uh is picking up seals at rock so um as mitch Blyle jokingly said i don't know if a cornhole tournament got canceled or something but um nll on espn2 an extra game so uh is that your game that is my game yeah well see you're not you're not only going to be on tsn but you're johnny big time and on the deuce
2: yeah, that's, uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. And oh, wait, that's that's me. So, uh, callers a little bit tighter, a little bit of a, a larger audience, but no, it's going to be fun. It's a great game. Yeah. Um, I also love the fact that this is, you know, if it's going to be on ESPN2, you've got a great, you know, American team in the seals they're becoming a very recon- recognizable brand uh, south of the border with lacrosse fans and then of course you have the iconic toronto rock um you know even people that aren't true nll fans if they've watched a game on tv it's probably been the toronto rock back in their heyday when you know lacrosse nll lacrosse was on south of the border
0: an hour after that game starts it'll be philadelphia at new york that is the true espn game of the week it'll be Brendan glasheen devin caney and our next guest mitch Belial mr luxurious right here on the off the crossbar podcast joined now by mr luxurious mitch belisle nll on espn and new york riptide color
1: mitch how are you my man i'm doing great how you guys doing uh we can't complain how was fort worth Fort Worth was the first weekend I've really gotten to spend like a full weekend in a city. And I had a great weekend. It was like, um, you know, we, we did all the touristy things. We went to the stockyards, we ate at Panther city barbecue. We went to this place, shout out to twilight lounge, which was an incredible spot with this, uh, kind of like Mardi Gras type live band. It was fun. It was really fun. And then a great lacrosse came to cap it off and, uh, got to get home and see my family the next day. So it was, it was, it was probably my, I would argue it's probably my favorite weekend of at least of the uh, NL on ESPN games that I've had. Have you bid on any cattle or anything? No, <laughs> I didn't. You know what? There were some Longhorns that looked pretty good, but uh, <laughs> I just decided to go with the cheeseburger instead. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that
0: game between uh, the Rip- or sorry the Panther City and and, and Vancouver. No, who the hell did they play? Why am I drawing a blank? Colorado,
1: Colorado. Colorado.
0: There it is. Uh, you mentioned that game between panther city in colorado uh they seem to have their number but they're just playing some really confident poised lacrosse right now
1: yeah i mean they just really didn't make too many mistakes is the bottom line they they play really well offensively they share the ball i think they do better than anyone at shooting off of cross like cross floor movement they'll shoot immediately and uh and they catch goalies by surprise, and they really just open things up, and they work. They just work the entire time, and that's really evident when you watch them live. I mean, defensively, guys are diving to get trail checks and just getting little tiny pieces that, seems like, Oh, that's just a little play. But when you add those up over 60 minutes, it, it makes a difference in a game. And, and I also think I might be bad luck for Vancouver. Or I'm sorry for Colorado. Both times I've called their games. They've scored, uh, <laughs> scored in a single digit. So I don't know if, I don't know if coach Coyle is going to want me back on any of their calls.
0: Uh, how about my boy, Patty does
1: he's a player. He is a player. And, uh, he, you know, it's funny. He didn't, like, pop off the screen in that game specifically, mm-hmm. but I, I've seen him – I saw him absolutely crush it against the Riptide, and I know what he can do. Um, and he's also – he's bigger than you would think. He's a, he's a big boy, and uh, he just does – like, again, that's the thing about this team is all of them just – do like solid a effort. It's not like superstar a pluses. It's like everyone's a solid a A minus guy and they work really, really well together. And, uh, and it's, it's coming together at the right time. Do you think Tracy Koleski
2: has to be the runaway front runner for, for coach of the year for what he's been able to do with this group?
1: As of right now, absolutely. I just, there's, you know, these next three to four weeks are going to be insane. So you know, if Calgary goes on a run and they, and they pop off, make the playoffs and go on a run like Malowski is going to get in that running. Um, But as of right now, yeah. Tracy Kluski is without, without a doubt to take an expansion team and turn them into a contender in year one after starting one and eight. Yeah. It's a pretty good story. I'd say. Uh,
0: On coast to coast this week, you had a pretty under the radar hot take. Uh, You think Panther city is actually going to jump into
1: the number three season. I said that, and then I started digging a little deeper into what games are left and who plays who. And I think it's going to be harder for them to do that than I, than I initially imagined. Um, but I do think there's still a chance if they win out, they'll be in that three seed, no question. Uh, but they've got to win the rest of their lacrosse games. Um, so I, I do think they're on a roll, and sometimes mojo and chemistry trumps all in this league. And, and they certainly have both of those things going in full effect.
2: Don't, don't back down on your hot take. It's supposed to be a hot take. uh, I'm not backing that
1: mathematically. I was just checking myself if it was even possible.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. No, uh, let's go to a team that you see quite a bit um, in the New York Riptide. Obviously they're a team that would seriously have to go on a run, but uh, you know, you've been around this team and, and talking to the coaching staff and the players, are they do they still believe that this is a team that can go on and run and make a push or are they kind of just building towards the future and and maybe using this these next couple of weeks to, to get the competitive juices for when they possibly could be a playoff team next year?
1: You know, I, I talked to, to Dan Lattester this morning, actually, for our coach's call for this weekend. And I asked him almost an identical question. And he, he gave a, you know, a pretty strong coach answer. Like we are focused on getting better each and every game controlling what we can control because for them to make the playoffs, true for them to make the playoffs, some things are going to happen that are outside of their control. So I think, uh, you know, I, I, I respect that answer. I think obviously whenever there's that glimmer of hope, anyone who's a competitor, anyone who wants to play on a championship team, you're going to think about that. You, no matter what, you're going to think, I, we have a chance here. We have a shot here. Um, But I think, he has done a great job, I think, of getting the guys to buy in to believe in the process, and that will bode really well for the long term for them. So I do think he's at least keeping everyone on script for that, even if in the back of their minds they're thinking, hey, maybe, maybe some of the great, crazier things have happened. you know. And I think he's doing a good job with that to, to keep that focus on building towards making themselves better and better so in year two they come out and they're a contender right away.
0: Obviously the talk in the Rookie of the Year chase is you know, um, Dodsey, T. Bowering, Dahoka, but Larson Sundown has been a really pleasant surprise for the New York riptide. And that offense is starting to really come together. How how impressed have you been with that young group kind of gelling over the last
1: few weeks? Just watching that first quarter uh, of that of the game against Albany. I mean, the ball was moving faster than I've ever seen it around guy to guy. And I think I I asked i said is that is that been a continuous building process or is this just guys film he said the guys are really starting to get more comfortable with knowing where everyone is and where they are and that takes time so i get that but i do think you know those those guys now have had quite a few weeks with the same roster with the same lineup and jeff teat and callum crawford if you can get callum on the same page of moving the ball quick instead of trying to take it himself like good things are going to happen and that's that's clearly what happened and he'll still get his four and four like he did against Albany um but you'll just share the wealth I think they had nine scores this past weekend against Albany which shows when you when you share the ball good things happen especially when you got Jeff Teed on the left side
0: yeah have you been impressed with Callum's sort of maturation process you know we I know he's sort of the old horse in the stable but he's actually kind of reinvented himself in
1: New York yeah, and I think with with Teat over there he, he to a degree has to. And as you get older, I mean you do have to. His you know, his patented swim move that used to beat everyone, it, it he can still get it every now and then, but it's not as it's he's just he's just got a different he has to use different skills to, to get his points and to help his team. So I think it's a mix of, yeah, he recognizes like, this is what I have to do to make the team better and, and being a little bit more mature and wanting to win a championship. I mean, that's the bottom line. He, he said it in several interviews, like, you know, he wants to win a championship. So um, we'll see, we'll see if, uh, if he can, if he can wait one more year to do that or, or what happens between now and then.
2: You've been around some some pretty special offensive talents and Jeff Teed is obviously one of the latest ones that kind of has gone or come into the league and separated himself as one of the best prospects, you know, the game has seen in a long time. What have you seen from him that has separated him and the term gets thrown around so often, but like, I think we can actually use it for him as he's a generational talent.
1: To me, the, I mean, the thing is just poise, like you, the poise that I play with Lyle and like Lyle, you never saw him get flustered ever, ever, whether we're up down, he got hit late. Like, you know, he plays with a competitive streak and a fire, but he's never rattled. And Dan Dawson, same thing. Like, you know, he'll, he'll get fired up, but just the poise that those guys, those guys have and their ability to kind of evaluate what's going on with a cool head, no matter what the situation that to me is what really separates some of those amazing players that I've seen. And that's what, what Jeff T seems to have is no matter whether he's getting cross-checked in the throat or whether, whether he's got time and space, he's still making the same reads. He's still evaluating. And then he's using defenders against themselves when they're over aggressive. And that's the thing all those guys do is they, they are feeders, they are playmakers, but they also, if you over, over pursue them, they're going to make you pay.
0: You talk about, you know, how, forwards are evolving and just becoming better athletes each and every year how is the defensive concept changing over the last few years
1: to kind of combat that i think it's i mean like all sports and sports that are growing you see that the the guys are getting bigger even when i go to the games and watch shooter and i'm like oh my god how did i ever even compete at this (laughs) speed and with this guys these size like guys are getting bigger guys are getting stronger guys are getting more athletic like you said like you look at a guy like brent Noseworthy. I was doing some research for the game this weekend and I didn't realize he's like 6'4, 220, was a, like a all American at uh, offensive midfielder at Michigan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I knew who he was as a box player. I had no idea. So like you are now getting some of the best offensive players um, biggest, best all Americans that are now like, you know, defensive guys in the NLL like that is a level of athleticism. That's just, it's just uh, it's, you know, the best of the best is really playing in our, in our game. And it's, it's showing
0: wings that riptide on ESPN this week. We all know that Philadelphia has struggled, Uh, but in
1: your talks with coach Paul day this week, leading it up, do they feel that they can turn the ship around? So I haven't spoken with him yet. I was going to, I want to wait to see what happens on Thursday and we're, we're talking after that game. So I'm really curious to see, obviously, getting Kyle Jackson I, I I and other people I'm not you know I wasn't the the one breaking the news but without like that quick kind of shifty water bug kind of energy guy I felt like they were just a perimeter offense and clearly something worked a little bit with with Kyle although a lot of their goals still came Corey small like 10 12 yards out so <laughs> um so we'll see we'll see how that continues to develop but I'm very curious to see what happens Thursday night and the fact that we get Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and then Monday lacrosse yeah. this week is, like, probably the best NL weekend ever for, from that standpoint.
0: Well, we could have a Sunday mixed in there too, Mitch. Come on, man. Let's be great.
1: We're going to need, a, you know, a delayed game or something for that to happen <laughs> this week, but... <laughs>
2: I wanted to go back quickly to the defense of New York and obviously Laddie would be the first guy or even Jim Veltman would say like the defense has to be better. And they, they went out and grabbed a couple of young players. You already mentioned noseworthy Ron John, but even before that point, I think the defense had improved a little bit. Is there maybe one or two guys that don't really get the notoriety that some of the, well, we know the offense get all the glory on that group, but is there a D guy that maybe has kind of had a consistent level of effort from the start to the end of uh, where we are right now in the schedule?
1: Yeah. Two to three guys really come to mind. One, one is, I think Dan McRae from the beginning of the season till now has been a different player. He was like getting a lot of holding penalties and, and just seemed like a step behind in the beginning parts of the season. And then When I did the last game, the last home game with them, I think it was when they beat Toronto, he was like a man possessed, chasing guys around, Mm -hmm. up on his toes, uh, making plays, knocking down passes. I think he scored a goal in transition. So he has, uh, you know, I think Laddie challenged him a little bit and he beyond rose to that challenge and truly stepped up as the leader on defense. So he's one guy that I think, you know, really just, I, I don't know what it was that changed, but maybe it was just mentally. He's like, I need to be the guy. And he became the guy. Um, And then the other thing that they're doing is they're running Kieran McArdle out the back door that, uh, you know, he did some of that in Toronto in his first few years, but uh, for a guy like that to just buy in, to be like, yeah, whatever you need from me, he's Mm -hmm. putting up a goal or two every time, every game from that position, he's playing good defense and, you know, there's still mistakes he's making, but he's just add such a versatile element. He's such a tough, tough kid, tough player that he's a really good. I think that's been a nice shift for them to have him, as like a, you know, like a true transition player um, mm-hmm. for them that can stay and play real offense and, and scored some goals this past weekend as well.
0: We were talking about it earlier in the show, um, and this will be the last one we leave you with.
1: Who can beat Buffalo in a three-game series? In Injuries, I think, maybe yeah. only exclusively. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, and even then I'm like, I'm thinking, even if they, you know, a big star goes down with an injury, they have such a deep roster. You're like, I, I don't know. It, it, I mean, that's why you play the games, right? There's, there's, I think, I think they will suffer a loss in the end here, part of the season. And I think they need to, someone was talking about this. I think it'd be helpful for them. Maybe Teddy, you mentioned this on coast yeah. to coast. I do think a loss would be helpful. Just, you know, it's like the humble pie and get that taste in their mouth heading into the playoffs, but Um, they are, I mean, they are literally like, you look at every facet of their game and it's good. It's very good. It's excellent. And so how do you, how do you defeat that? And not only that, but then you build this aura of intimidation of like, how are we going to beat them? How, what, what can we try to exploit? And there's not a, there's not a real weakness there. So, um, I, I think, you know, that's why I play the games. There's a chance. We'll see if someone can can knock them off in the regular season and maybe expose a couple areas, a couple holes in the wall that people can start poking at. But uh, as of right now, they're looking like a, a pretty unstoppable force as it goes forward.
0: Uh, you got your boots shined up for, for this weekend or what?
1: Well, I got them on right now. Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, I got a black pair and a brown pair, and the black pair doesn't get too much action but i think when i go down to fort worth for the final game we're going to go you're going to see like the uh, man in black look here for me
0: are you going to buy a new pair of boots and a hat down there maybe too
1: maybe a hat but it's tough with the with the headset you know that's the problem i could only (laughs) only wear it for the for the stand up with the mic you just
0: got to lean the the thing that goes back behind your head you just
1: got to lean it back by your neck and just kind of Rotate. Or cut holes, cut holes in the there top you go. and actually thread the, <laughs> thread the headset go. through like one of those beer holding
2: hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Aw, bitch,
1: this is beauty, man. appreciate
0: you. Uh, you're going to have a great call this weekend. Ted Glash and, and Devin and uh, have a great call. Best of luck for you and uh, appreciate the time, my man.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. You guys do an excellent job on your respective broadcasts as well. And I know uh, I know, you guys had fun get- linking up. Link it up last week for the 16-11 double-double action. Yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. Appreciate you. Take care. Thanks, guys. Cheers. All
0: right, that's Mitch Belisle. Uh, great chatting to him, as always. He has just done an absolute fantastic job um, covering games for ESPN, but also covering for the New York Riptide, who do have a chance to still kind of make some noise. And we're actually hoping to make some noise in this week's box bets. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds and props across the NLF. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly.
2: <laughs>
0: hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, box bets time, Patty. Uh, we are 2-0 on a mini heater. Uh, Two weeks ago, you decided that we should take the over in goals. Last week, I went a little crazy and got lucky. And I just had a notion and it all came through. And now you're up on the clock again. Let's try to make it three in a row.
2: You said it, mini heater. Well, you can't get on a big old heater without being on a mini. So we got two. (laughs) Three is a winning streak. So let's get into a a winning streak here uh, with our boosted parlay I didn't go cowardly. I didn't go as spicy as you. So I kept it somewhere in the middle here. You like a three like alone hal- chili
0: right
2: now. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Okay. So I went Halifax minus one and a half against Rochester.
0: The get right game.
2: It's a get right game, right? Exactly. And, and the way that Halifax has been playing, you, sh- you might be a little bit afraid, but trust the process. They're playing against the team Ro- against Rochester in Halifax. They'll turn things around next up Georgia plus two and a half against Toronto. That game is in Toronto. Toronto's on a back-to-back or sorry. No, that game's in Georgia. So that's a ba- uh, a home and home. Georgia's got to keep it within two and a half. They won outright Last time these two teams played Toronto's obviously going to have a chip on the shoulder. I still think it's going to be a close game. Give me the two and a half and last, but certainly not least New York Philly over 21 and a half. We know New York can score goals. We know Philly has been struggling, but their offense with a couple of new pieces looked a lot better. And to be honest, even if they hit a wall, the way Jeff Teat, Callum Crawford and the tide offense has been playing, they're going to carry it enough 21 and a half. I'd take this number even if it was 23 and a half, 21 and a half, even better. We got that one boosted all the way up to plus 500. That one was originally plus 430. So the fine folks at Cool Bet are boosting up to 500. I do not see how this loses, Teddy. I just don't see it.
0: All right. I'm going to mark that down. Pat can't see this losing there that's you go. a guarantee right there it's and if you not get on the fun, if you want to get on the fun head over to coolbet.com log in check that little green button up at the top make your donation and if it's up to $200 cool bet's going to match it and you can join in the fun you can play along you can change your bets you can make new bets you can bet anything from lacrosse hockey UFC tennis soccer whatever you want but as always stay cool responsibly all right week 18 um is where we're at and we have a busy one games now does monday's game count as this week or is monday's game count for next week do you think
2: so by the national lacrosse league schedule they are counting it as this upcoming week so the week all that right. we are in right now so we will we will cover it in our breakdown quick um breakdowns, yeah. it's a quick breakdown but yeah we'll we'll, we'll cover that
0: we're gonna buzz through Um, so we have games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday, starting right now, tonight, Buffalo at Philadelphia, the wings, they get Sam McLaren, they get Kyle Jackson, and they finally score more than eight goals, but that was against Rochester. This is against Buffalo. It's not going to be an easy one.
2: It's not going to be an easy one whatsoever. I think Philly has definitely found some, some energy um, Corey small looked like, a, a you know, a revitalized player, the best that we've seen him in a long time, but you nailed it. Rochester is a team that is, you know, at a completely different part of their season than Buffalo is mm-hmm. no offense to Joel Watson. Joel Watson is not Matt Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a much more difficult task, um, th- it's expected to, you know, be a pretty decent crowd for a Thursday night. Apparently they're opening up the, the upper yeah, I guess bowl. I saw that. So that's pretty cool. But with that being said, I'm not doubting the bandits until they prove to me that they're not the best team in the league. And this is a huge, important game for Philly. The only way I could see this is if this is a letdown spot where Buffalo maybe has mailed this in and this means so much for Philly. But we heard every single player that we talked to; they're keeping the foot on on the on the gas yep. here. They, they are not letting up at all. Play. No. So if they're t- if they're on the floor, uh, unless they're scratching a bunch of their their go to guys, this team's in it to win. So I, I think the Bandits win here. I think they roll here and they put a big dent in the playoff hopes for the Wings.
0: April Fool's Day, April 1 on Friday, Rochester at Halifax, the last home game of the season for the Thunderbirds. Uh, they need a win and they need it badly. Uh, much like we said about Philadelphia last week, this is a bit of a get-right game going up against Rochester. I'm interested to, interested to see what lineup offensively mm-hmm. Coach Mike Kersey goes with.
2: Yeah, you mentioned it on the broadcast. Like We have not seen any sort of consistency on the offensive end from a lineup standpoint, we have not seen two games in a row where it's the same guy that's rolling out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Are they going to, you know, change things up from what we saw on Sunday? I know they lost, but the offense was clicking at some points.
0: Yeah. But no, but Finnell, that means no bushy, Like that's what I mean. Like are those guys back in the lineup.
2: Absolutely. So I think we're going to once again, see a different lineup, but I don't know what they are going to do. They're going to have to get creative. Um, and that's something that I'm going to be watching for. And, you know, if, if Sean Evans, isn't that guy who was the odd man out, he's a guy that I think you got to put on your must watch uh, or your player to watch because it's against his former team. And he's a guy that has showed flashes of brilliance with this offense, but we haven't seen him be his dominant self from start to, to finish. And maybe at this point in his career with this group, he's not going to be that dominant force, but I think he's got to be a guy that gets this offense going, being a playmaker, getting the ball into the stick of some other guys. Um, so he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on quite closely.
0: Any minutes later, Toronto at Georgia. We talked about it in our box bets. This is a, a huge moment for both of these clubs. Uh, Toronto's got a big double header Friday and Saturday, but for Georgia, a chance to continue this winning streak, um, hopefully Lyle Thompson is healthy, and for Mike Pool and has another strong game. But Buffalo, or sorry, Toronto and Georgia always, always, always play very interesting lacrosse games against each other.
2: Every time the two teams meet, it's it's always such a. Tremendous game. And it's not even so much of a rivalry between the two teams. Like I guess you could kind of call it a rivalry, but there's just a lot of respect between the two teams. And I think Toronto was embarrassed how flat they came out and the offense looked out of sync. Um, Nick Rose was tremendous and the defense was was very solid, but the offense, they felt like they kind of let that group down. Um I'd be interested to see, though, what kind of effort we see out of Georgia. Is Lyle Thompson going to be in the lineup? If he isn't, can that offense replicate what they did in Hamilton? They don't have to be spectacular. They don't have to blow anyone away. But each guy kind of has to contribute as a group. And Brendan Bomberry told Ashley Docking in that interview, you know, at halftime saying it's just next man up mentality. And I think that's the mentality that they got to take into this game as well.
0: First of two TSN games of the week this weekend, Vancouver at Calgary, uh, Vancouver coming off a huge win, Calgary coming off a big win. Uh, we talked about the fact that Calgary has a lot of games, hand, games in hand on the teams in front of them. Uh, they've still only played 12 games while Vancouver uh, has played one more at 13. So an opportunity for Calgary to continue to climb up the West.
2: Man, like every time I think I have some sort of idea on how I think who's going to make a push in the West and, you know, Panther City, man, you just forget. I, I've mentioned it so many times on this on this podcast or on the broadcast, just Calgary is the forgotten team of the West and they control their own destiny. But what we saw from Vancouver, and I, I said it, a lot of people have said it, stick with one goalie, allow the goalie to kind of work through things. And that's what they did with bouquet. He didn't look great at the start of that game, but he worked through some things. He slowed down and looked much better down the stretch. He didn't have to be brilliant, but this is a game where I think it's not a must win for, for Vancouver in the standings, but I think, for their confidence and just for the way that they can control their destiny going forward, they lose this game. This would be a massive blow to their confidence and ultimately a, a little bit of footing in the playoff race.
0: They, would, they will they will play Vancouver one more time uh, this season on the 16th. So uh, a big game for both clubs. I think it's going to be an absolute track meet with guys like courier and Bowering just, yeah. <laughs> running, running amok all over the floor. I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic game. So that's Friday TSN uh, game of the week, Saturday, San Diego at Toronto. We've kind of already talked about this game, but San Diego will kind of be waiting for Toronto in Toronto or in Hamilton technically as the rocker down in Georgia. So that's very beneficial for them. A chance to be ready, rested and well-prepared.
2: Yeah. And I think that's always, you know, always a huge, huge boost. Um, But I think at the end of the day, like each team has has been through those situations. So I I think Toronto is a team that they've had some some spots where they've been waiting for teams in the past before. So I don't think I I think obviously you take that, but you take it with a grain of salt. At the end of the day, this is a playoff push uh, for both teams. For Toronto, it means so much with Georgia at their heels, you know, with uh even now philly like you said earlier on which is crazy if they pick up a couple wins they're going to be right in the thick of things so i think the excuses are just going to be thrown right out and this is going to be a track meet there is a lot of athletes on both sides of the ball for both these teams i can't wait for this one uh
0: that games tsn game of the week also espn deuce is picking it up the espn game of the week starts an hour later philadelphia at new york the riptide can still kind of play spoiler and i think that's probably going to be their role through the next six weeks in the national lacrosse League. they're going to try and make a push here um they got a lot of work to do but i think more so they're trying to build confidence trying to build a lot of chemistry with their group they have and play spoiler for some of the teams in the eastern conference that they're going to play over the next few weeks that are really trying to make a run for the playoffs
2: And this would be a huge, huge, huge blow to the playoff hopes for Philly, especially depending on what happens, you know, against Buffalo, you got to assume likely that they lose to Buffalo, but even if they were to upset Buffalo, could you imagine that high that they're coming off of and then a team like New York would be absolutely, you know, just, just a massive blow. Uh, we obviously already talked about it. This is a game where I can see both offenses, just, just teeing off on each other in a high scoring game on ESPN.
0: Buffalo at Colorado, the Bandits' second game of the week at 9 PM Eastern. So, uh, they're in Philadelphia on Thursday. They get, you know, a travel day, a rest day, then they get to Colorado taking on the mammoth. I think this is going to be an absolute shootout.
2: Whoa. I, honestly, this this Colorado team is a team that I just can't wrap my finger around. They're kind of my Albany of mm-hmm. the West. Every time I think like, oh, this is a game where Dylan Ward and this defense is going to shut things down and, and and really settle things, it's the offense who's carrying them or they're getting blown up um or vice versa you know this is a game where i think colorado's offense can really whip it around and and i think we could see a lot of goals and then it's the flip side and the offense goes silent so i'm not going to say anything with colorado because it always whatever i say ends up being the ha- the, the the opposite but what i will say it's going to be a great game and i'm going to enjoy watching it.
0: Uh, it could also be an absolute goaltenders duel between Vino and Dylan Ward, who just might say, Hey, you know what? Screw you guys. No one's getting any goals. And this is going to be <laughs> a five, four muck up kind of game, but it, it literally could be that the way mm-hmm. these two defenses play, the way these two, go- two goaltenders play, um, it could either be an absolute goal fest or it could be a goal drought and, and I am here for it. Uh, the final game on Saturday, Albany at Vancouver. A long road trip for the Albany Firewolves. Vancouver coming off that big win. But if it doesn't go you know their way in Calgary, they could be pretty pissed off. But if it does go their way, much like Philadelphia, they could be on a pretty big high coming into that second game of the weekend.
2: Yeah. And for, for Albany, I've said this a few times, you know, you can't, I don't want to call this a must win, but I will call this one a must win for Albany, especially if, you know, Toronto splits even, or um, because if let's say Toronto beats San Diego, but loses to Georgia, then Toronto, Georgia have nine wins. And if Halifax beats Rochester, there's another team with nine wins. So if you're Albany at six and 10, And even if a team like Philly picks up a win that week, like you can kiss your playoff hopes goodbye. Uh, This is a must win. This is a difficult win um, to go onto the road and play a team that is also battling for their playoff lives. And this is why it's the chase for the championship, man. Every single game this week means something in the standings. Even if the team's out of the playoffs, it still means something for one team. But this is a game where it means everything for both sides.
0: And then the final game of the weekend, a Monday night lacrosse game, New York at Colorado. So the Riptide have to play at home on Saturday night, then fly all the way across the country to get to Colorado for a 9 PM Eastern face-off against the Mammoth. Um, Colorado gets to kind of comfortably rest at home after what will most likely be a battle against Buffalo. It'll probably be too tired worn down teams. It might get a little slow to start before they really get the motors running. But again, this could be a, a very interesting and high scoring game.
2: I know this ticket sales staff might not love a Monday night game mm-hmm. and the league might not, but me being very, very selfish, I'm going to love this. Yeah. Monday night football's the best. Monday night raw seems to do pretty well after all Big these Ross years. Fan.
0: Big raw so
2: why the hell not Monday night lacrosse? Yeah, I'm going it. to make a, a huge dent into my couch because I'm going to be <laughs> so exhausted from all the lacrosse this weekend. And what am I going to do to fix those Sunday scaries into Monday scares? I'm just going to watch more lacrosse.
0: It's not uh, final four Monday, is it?
2: Uh, it might be actually, now that you say that. It <laughs> might be.
0: Is it final four Monday? Or is that next
2: week? No, it's, that's, that would be, uh, it would be Monday. Yeah, it yeah. would be the, the fourth, right? Yep. So that will be it. So oh, well, going to have to put that on the laptop. And have to... Exactly.
0: All the more, yeah. All the more reason to lay down on that couch. Uh, if you want to make sure that you look your best in our game ready, head over to NLLshop.com or fanatics.ca and get the gear, the pros wear uh, home away shirts, sweatshirts, hats, t-shirts, golf shirts, whatever you need, uh, look your best, support your team and head over to NLLshop.com or fanatics.ca. That is a look at week 18 week 17 is in the books. We are rounding the corner for the chase For the championship, we are getting into the month of April. I can't believe we're here already. It was a year and a half without lacrosse. Now we only got a month remaining in the regular season. It is going to be an absolute wild, jam-packed weekend. Games on TSN, ESPN, ESPN2. And you can watch it all from the comfort of your coach. Thanks to Mitch Belisle. Thanks to your listeners. He's Pat Gregoire at Pete Greggy. I'm Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCV underscore podcast on Twitter and at OTCV podcast on Instagram. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each
1: other. I am an outfall.